on how well somebody did. Now, I think both teams messed up a lot last night. If you watch the game, I think Alabama broke their own record for the number of penalty yards lost in the game, which really didn't help. But hope won. The worship leaders at the well ratcheted the game last night. And we had all kinds of video clips posted this morning of, oh, they were going crazy. Flans flooded the field. What's it like when suddenly a hope that you have becomes a reality? Something happens inside of us. And that's the way we're supposed to be living our lives. We're supposed to be living with a hope that is absolutely connected to the nature of God. Hope only comes alive when it's connected to the living God. If you're not connected to the living God, you're not going to find a living hope. It only comes through Him. I want to go on a little bit further from where I did last week. If you want to go back and listen to last week, it'll Today, we'll, I'll build a little bit on it today. But in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, we've got an incredible section of Scripture there about hope. In order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge and laying hold of the hope set before us. There's a whole bunch of things you can say about this verse. But the first thing is our living hope is actually a hiding place. It's not a denial of circumstances, but it's a deliberate going into a place where we get a different perspective. Our hope is in who he is. It's in his nature. You read a dozen commentaries, you'll find a dozen different things people say about the two things I think for me personally, it's the nature of God and the absolute rock solidness of his promises. Um, the, those, you can't shift the nature of God. He's, he's unchangeable. He's absolute. So when we put our hope in him, when we put our trust in him, circumstances don't have power over us because our hope is linked to who he is and what he's done. Finding hope is a deliberate refocusing away from circumstances we face and finding a, a place where we see his face. Several words came um, at the end of the worship tonight about that. Just one glance at his face, one gaze at him, one glimpse, it will change everything about how you see the circumstance. Um, and that's what we want to live our life. Um, if, our, if our life isn't full of joy and expectancy, there's actually a blockage. If your life isn't full of joy and expectancy, there's actually something wrong. You need to find something that you've not been finding. Um, Francis Fangipan said it this way. He said, any area of your life without hope is a stronghold. How many of you think you might have an area of your life? Well, those are the strongholds. Those are the parts of us that get us in trouble. The hopelessness that comes out of those strongholds is what trips us up 
and keeps us from becoming what we're created to be. It actually causes us to fail in situations where we shouldn't be failing. As the people of God, we've got to find a living hope that goes beyond our circumstance and ties us into something that's eternal, ties us into the nature of God, ties us into the promises of God, ties us into the future and our hope in Him. And so we break free of the things that limited us. I want us to go back to that verse again. Um, our living hope is, is the antidote to what we face. In, the, in our verse there, it says, we've taken refuge in laying hold of hope. That's quite an important word. The Greek word that's used there has two meanings in Scripture. Um, that word laying, uh, laying hold of means to take mastery over or to become powerful by. To take mastery over or to become powerful by. How do you win in a circumstance? You lay hold of hope and you take mastery over the circumstance. How many of you like to master your circumstances? Well, hope is the key. When you come to a living hope, you literally take mastery. The second way it's, way it's used there is to become powerful by. In our living hope, we find a boldness and power to face anything that we're facing. If you're up against a challenge, if you're up against a circumstance, if you're up against a, a financial need, if you're up against an issue at your work, whatever you're up against, if you will find hope, you actually will take mastery over that thing you're facing. It doesn't mean that thing necessarily comes around to where you want it, but you live free of the power that had over you. There are many times in our Christian life where things we believe for and pray for don't happen, but the problem is in the moment it doesn't happen, we let go of hope, and in that moment we lose the victory that we should be having in the difficult circumstance. We've all faced circumstances we don't want to face. We've all believed and prayed for things and hoped for things and contended for things, and then it didn't happen the way we hoped for. Hope didn't fail, but the living hope will connect you to the presence and purpose of God that will keep you grounded even when it's not happening like you think it ought to be happening. Stephen is being stoned, and in the midst of those stones coming at him, he looks up and he gets a glimpse into glory and the radiance of the face he sees completely nullifies the circumstances he's feeling. He died. But he had a living hope that was connected to an eternal purpose in God. And church, we've got to get past a performance mentality that everything has to go our way. And we've got to begin to live with a hope that is so powerful internal that no matter what happens, it doesn't change how we look at the world around us. I have a friend, Sally and I have a friend here today. At the same time, Sally was diagnosed with cancer her mother was diagnosed with cancer. 
we've become really good friends over the last year. Sally's now cancer-free and her mom died a few weeks ago. And we have watched our friend radiate with the presence of God as she's walked this circumstance out that we, we all despise cancer. We didn't want that to be the way it happened. But if you don't let go of your living hope, then you walk out of difficult circumstances still alive and full of his presence and full of his life. Y'all still here? (laughs) Trying to. (laughs) The very next verse. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul. Okay, can you tell me how I got a spider web up here? (laughs) It's got to be a first. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one that enters within the veil. So hope is an anchor for your soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your thought process. It's your will, and it's your emotions. The anchor for your thought life, the anchor for your feelings, the anchor for making correct will decisions is a hope that's anchored in the presence of God. I remember being, I, I, I was trying this morning to remember the age, but I was really bitty. And my parents went to Africa as missionaries and we went on a boat. And somewhere in the Mediterranean, we stopped at one of the ports, probably, I don't know, for whatever reason we stopped. And my dad and I got off the boat and I think I was probably... Yeah, I was was the only one able to walk at that point. But um, we walked out on the dock, and there was an anchor chain spread all the way down the dock. And I remember being so little, I could almost squeeze through the holes in the anchor chain. It was that big. I just, in my mind, it's this incredible thing, taller than I am. Now, honestly, it isn't today, but that little kid saw that chain, and that that image has been in my mind for my entire life. That's what I'm anchored to. That chain, that incredibly huge, powerful, unbreakable chain is anchored in the presence of God and I'm irresistibly being drawn into his presence and that's where my hope is anchored. You can't mess with me with circumstance. Not because I'm so powerful, but because the anchor is amazing. It's time to get anchored in the presence of God so that we're immovable when circumstances happen. So the anchor is where? It's in his presence. Um, I'm assuming because of this book of Hebrews, He's referring to the veil in the temple and that the anchor is actually in the place of the Holy of Holies. It's in the place where the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the mercy seat. And 
Every year the priest came and did it. But then when Jesus dies, his blood goes on the mercy seat and there's a permanent sacrifice for sin paid for by Jesus. He paid the price. And so I'm invited into that place which is no longer about what I've done, but it's about what he did. It's about his blood on that mercy seat. And it became a place of grace and a place of hope and a place of wholeness and a face of peace. And we can go into his presence without fear or without hesitation because by the blood of Jesus, we've been made new and we can stand without fear in his presence because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. It's made us whole. And that's where we stand. When God told Moses to, gave him instructions for the tabernacle, he told Moses to build the ark, which would represent the presence of God, and over it would be this lid with the cherubim, and in the middle would be a mercy seat. And God's statement about that seat was, I will meet with you there. I will come into communion. I'll come into agreement. The Hebrew word there is the word come into agreement with. God said to Moses, when we sit across that seat, we're in agreement because the blood on the mercy seat has caused us to come into agreement with who he is. My hope is connected to that mercy and grace. Too often as Christians, our hope is connected to our performance and how well we think we did last week or how many rules we felt like we kept. But that's not where your hope is. Your hope is anchored in the presence of God where the blood is paid for it all and that's what you're tied to. That's where the anchor chain takes us. One look at his face. <laughs> and your circumstance just don't look like they did before. How many of you have faced some tough challenges this year? I think probably most of you on some level. In the midst of the toughest challenge, one look at his face is all it takes. One look at his face changes the nature of the circumstances around. It changes the power they have over us. And we actually literally take mastery over. Oh my goodness, can we believe that? That by looking at his face, we take mastery over the things that are messing with us right now. There are people in this room that are, that are fighting with some financial challenges right now. If you'll take one look at his face, you'll take mastery over the challenge you're facing. It's time, church. It's time to come to a living hope. First John. Our living hope produces lasting character change. If you really want to change and be like him, I was reading a book this last week and it's a, it's one of the old Pentecostal masters. His name was Donald G. And he wrote a book about, I can't remember the title, his title skipped me right now, but it's basically about Pentecostal theology. And there's a, there's a fascinating chapter, and I've never 
seen a chapter title like it. But the chapter title was Disappointing Baptisms. Never ever seen a book entitled, or a chapter entitled Disappointing Baptisms. We get into the chapter, and he has three sections in this chapter. Section number one, people who say they've been baptized in the Spirit, but have no change in their character. They've had a disappointing baptism. Section number two, people who say they've been baptized in the Spirit, they exercise a gift or two of the Spirit, but they have no fruit of the Spirit in their life. You've had a disappointing baptism. Section number three, people who operate in the gifts of the Spirit but have no power of the Spirit. You've had a disappointing baptism. This is written back in the early turn of of last century. I, I don't want to have a disappointing baptism. And one of the mechanisms for us coming fully into what we're called to be is to live in a hope that changes us. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies themselves. They actually come to maturity. They start walking in righteousness. They start walking in holiness. They start walking in purity. When you fix your hope on Jesus, something happens to the way you live your life. And the fact of gazing at his face, the fact of looking at his presence, actually causes you to grow up. I, I remember just after I was filled with the Spirit, I, I was excited by the experience. And it was pretty cool for the first few weeks. And then I hit a couple rough patches. And... I was about ready to have a disappointing baptism and just let the old come back to the way it was. And God has to bring us back to who we are so that we live in a hope that will absolutely change us. See, our problem is that hope is always fixed on something. Hope for Tennessee was fixed on beating Alabama. Um, You know, is your hope What's your hope fixed on? We talked about this last week. It, the, the English definition of hope really is tied to what you hope for. And so if your hopey job's going to be good, that's where your hope gets fixed. And then when you lose your job or you mess up at work, we lose hope because our hope is fixed in something that's temporal or temporary. What's your hope fixed on? Is it fixed in relationships? Is it fixed in people? Is it fixed in... A, political party? Is it fixed in a government? If your hope is fixed on any of those things, you will always end up hopeless. The only place to find living hope is to fix our hope on Jesus. And when we fix on our hope on him, we're actually changed, we're transformed because his life is at work in us in a whole new way. I think it's interesting in this verse and John actually uses 
fixed on him, not in him. Now that may not seem that important, but our that the on actually implies two primarily things. It means to touch and to be in relationship with. When something is on something, it's touching it and it's in relationship to it. When our hope is fixed on him, we're touching him. We're in relationship with him. There's something happening. How, how do you, as a couple, how do you express affection for each other? Reach on, grab their hand. There's touch. That's an on kind of hope. And so what he's saying here is when you live in a vital relationship with your touching him and you're living in, in a, a depth of growing relationship with him, then that hope is going to cause you to come into spiritual maturity. It's not a doctrine. It is a doctrine, but that's, doctrine is not going to change you. Believing the right things won't necessarily change you. A relationship with Jesus will change you for the rest of your life. And we're being invited into a relationship where we touch him, where we interact with him, where we hold on to them, him in the midst of whatever we're going through. And that is fixing your hope on him. You ready for that? take this a little bit further. We'll go over to Romans for just look at a few verses in Romans. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith to this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. We talked a few minutes ago about the anchor chain being in his presence in the Holy of Holies. We've been invited by faith to step into his presence. And his grace has been sufficient to bring us into salvation. We're now new creations. We're new people because we've been touched by his grace. It's not about how we lived our life or how well we've done or how many rules we follow. It's strictly, have you been touched with that faith response to his grace. When you have, then an immediate result is hope beginning to birth because that's where it comes from. Our hope is not in our performance. Our hope is what he has done and our confidence in what he's done. It says we exalt in hope. We literally boast in hope. When did you last walk down the street boasting in hope? I was reading the stats from the Voice of the Apostles that just happened last week in Brazil and thousands of people touched by the power of God. Thousands. I just, it came alive in me. The living hope is actually working. The picture we had about people laid out at the altar this morning, there were literally thousands of people laid out at the altar being touched by the Holy Spirit. Hundreds coming to salvation. Healings, unbelievable numbers of healings. 
Incredible time. What's your hope fixed in? Do you boast in it? When we live in this kind of hope, we actually begin to live with an eternal perspective. Because our hope isn't just in this life. Our hope is in this life and in the rest of eternity. We're tied to eternity because the author of our hope, the, the one who our hope is anchored in, is eternal. And the moment you came to Christ, you received an eternal life with the expectation that we're going to live with him for eternity. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I have some thoughts. My grandpa, who started Denver Bible College, now Rockmont College, used to say that his idea of heaven was a thousand years to study astronomy and a thousand years to study chemistry and a thousand years to study metallurgy. And he just, he'd list off every imaginable thing that you could learn and just spend, I, I don't know what worship looks like. I mean, I know we're going to spend a long time just laying at his feet, but I also think there's going to be some really cool life stuff as we live as we were intended from the time of creation. I think it's going to be amazing. What do you hope for? What are you connected to? If your hope's in this life, you're going to be miserable. I think Scripture says that. Verse 3. Not only this, but we exalt in our tribulation. Oh, Jesus. Why did you have to stick that in a hope passage? We exalt in our tribulation, nor that tribulation brings about perseverance. The root word of tribulation is actually pressure. In other words, you get excited when the pressure comes. <laughs> There's some kind of masochistic delight in us. That, but, but it's just, how do we respond to pressure? How do we live under pressure? When the pressure comes, when something comes against the hope that you have, how do you respond? I was watching people last night when Tennessee absolutely blew a tremendous lead. And all these thousands of fans watched as Alabama came back and tied the score. And you could just see hope draining out of the entire crowd. What's your hope fixed in? Too many of us have our hope fixed in things that are so temporal that when it doesn't happen like we think it should, we lose something that's supposed to be eternal. God's bringing us back to an eternal hope. The highest praise you'll ever give is prayed under pressure. If you can face the toughest circumstances and still praise God, you're actually learning what a living hope is actually about. It's not about perfect circumstances. It's about a relationship with a person. It's about touching, surrendering ourselves to Him and surrendering our life to Him. And then perseverance brings per proven character 
and proven character hope. I want to put that up as a life cycle. Put up that slide if you can. That next slide. Being an engineer, I like systems. I like flow charts. I like to see where something's taking me. The grace that we received when we entered his presence leads us to hope. But hope then immediately invites the pressure to grow. Some of us come and we have that amazing time at the altar and we get a breakthrough and things are going really well and then there's this press for what we just experienced to actually change our life. But the press is so uncomfortable, the, the circumstance, the challenge, the, the, the difficulty we're facing that it's easier to bail and back out than to stay the course. And if we'll stay the course under pressure, we will always find the grace to deal with whatever that pressure was. And when you find the grace, the grace leads you back into hope. And we get all excited, and it's all wonderful, and then the pressure comes on. And the temptation to bail is there because it's easier to bail on it than to face it. How many of you have ever gone through this and skipped out a few cycles? <laughs> I cannot count the number of cycles I've not gone all the way through on. It, it's, but see, a living hope allows us to stay through the process and we come out of it refined by the presence and power of God. You can tell the spiritual maturity of a person not by how much scripture they quote or how much they do right, but how much of the life of God has been worked into them. How stable are they when the pressure comes on? How solid are they when things aren't going like they think they should go? When I see those people standing firm in the midst of that, I rejoice at the maturity that God's bringing because the living hope is taking root in them. And hope does not disappoint Five, five. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So hope doesn't disappoint. The, the word there actually means will never make you ashamed. It will never, ever. At no time will your hope in him cause you to feel ashamed that he's your daddy. That's the, that's the measure of that hope that's living inside of you. Hope doesn't disappoint. It'll never make you ashamed. Living, and then living hope becomes the key to releasing the baptism of love. If you want to learn how to love people, go through the grace, hope, pressure cycle a few times and actually pass the pressure test and you will begin to gain a love for people unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Yes, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that brings that. But he pours that into people who are ready to use it.
And God wants to pour out a love on his body in this next season. Um, we're going into another one of our delightful election cycles where our world gets more divided than we can possibly imagine. What if the body of Christ became carriers of a living hope? What if we carried his presence into that situation and become the bridges to see his glory touch our nation and touch our world? Last verse. I pray that the eyes of your understanding of your heart will be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. If you want to complete your mission, we primarily do it by obedience to the Spirit. But the action of obedience to the Spirit is to constantly live in a living hope. And if you allow the God of hope to birth a living hope inside of you, you're going to begin to fulfill the purpose you're created for because the God of hope's at work in you. And I believe as we go through this month when living hope is our thing, theme, I think it's incredibly important for us as the body of Christ to ask him for a living hope. I'd like us to stand up together. Ministry team, if you guys would come down. Get ready. Father, Lord, you're so good to us. Just kind of put your hands out to receive, if you would. Holy Spirit, we invite you today to come and birth a living hope in us. Give us the eyesight to be able to look outside our circumstances and see you. Give us that sense of expectancy to see outside of this circumstance and to see who you are and to see what you're doing. Forgive us for linking our hope into whether Tennessee wins or not. Forgive us for linking our hope into things that don't last. Father, we want a lasting, eternal hope that's linked into your presence and linked into your glory. So, Father, I just pray over each person in this room that you will give birth to a living hope. The grace we've received becomes a hope that we live by. And, Father, as we embrace that hope, give us the grace to deal with the pressure we face so that we don't bail out on the very thing you're doing. We want to become the mature sons and daughters of the King that you desire. Now just take one of your hands and put it on your heart. Father, we just yield our hearts to you right now. Father, where there's been disappointment, whether, where there's been circumstances that felt like failure, where there's been things that derailed our hope, we come to you right now. And we say, Lord Jesus, we want a living hope.
birthed inside of us. We want to encounter your power and your presence in a tangible way, Lord. So be that to us by the power of your Spirit. By the power of your Spirit. I feel like as I shared that word about kind of bailing out of the cycle, I believe that there are several in the room that feel like you face circumstances and they just got the rest of you. They overwhelmed you. And you need to come back into a place of hope. So if that's you, I just want to invite you to come out of your seat right now and come down the front. There's ministry teams down here who will pray for you. I just feel like there's going to be some breakthroughs this morning as we worship you, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come. 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 Father, where pressure got the best of us, we're just inviting you right now to bring a breakthrough to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We worship you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We love you. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. There's no judgment in this. There's just a freedom. There's a refocusing of our life and our affections just to know who He is and what He's doing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord. You're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Yes, you're worthy, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. 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 Yes, Lord. You're worthy. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, sorry. word I kept getting was 
that it's almost like a habit. We wouldn't actually call it a habit, but it's a coping mechanism that when pressure gets too hard or tough, that we back out instead of receiving more grace to go through and finish. So if that's you, of routinely backing out of pressure instead of going through and receiving more grace to the finish so that we can be victorious. Yeah, that's good. If that, if that you respond to that, you're, that hits your heart, just come down. Somebody will minister to you. I want to pray you through this. I want a living hope living in every one of us. Yes, Jesus. Mm. Mm, good. Yes, Jesus. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. If you've got children next door, you can begin to make your way over there and grab them. I think they've had a blast this morning. But we're just going to stay in this place and minister for a little while longer. A little while longer. Yes, Lord. 